Hello and welcome to Illochat, a place where two friends who are illustrators talk about the world of professional illustration. I am Olga. And I'm Sunny. And we're both children's book illustrators. Join us in our journey while we share what has and hasn't worked for us as we navigate this creative industry. Hi, and welcome back. In this episode, we will be talking about portfolios and websites. In our first episode, we talked about our portfolios and we had a few requests to see them. So we figured this would be a good time to talk about them and show you what should and shouldn't be in them. You might find it helpful to watch the video on YouTube or in our website, because at the end of the episode, we're going to be showing you our physical portfolios and how we display our work and our book dummies. Yeah. Mm how things changed over time. Oh my, yeah. <laughs> yes, we are going to be showing you the good, the bad, the ugly, the mistakes we made, and the things that worked out a little bit better. So we should get started then. Yeah. So why do you need a portfolio? Your portfolio is your artist resume. It's what you show art directors, clients, and agents, and they'll look at it to see if you're a good fit for the job. So you want it to represent you well. Right. It's a quick calling card. This is what I do. In other jobs, yeah. you have a resume that tells you your experience. And this, in these jobs, mainly it's your portfolio. It's your work. It speaks for itself. That's all you need. Yeah. So whether you're self-taught or have gone to a school, and it really doesn't matter at the end. It's your work. That's, that's it. That's the only thing that matters. Yeah. They want to see your work. Those are These are examples of your work and who you've worked with and how you can handle certain projects. It's, it's, a, it's, it's important. It, it represents you and your skills. All right, so what kind of portfolios do I need? That's something that we might be asking when you start, um, which we learned as we went through our conferences, Yeah. that we didn't have the right portfolios yeah. uh, when we began. Well, and I, coming from a completely online digital background, I was like, when I will never need a physical portfolio. That's so ancient, right? Oh. <laughs> And me coming from the other side, we're like, oh, a website and social media and all that. No, I have my little trusty box with, with my prints, <laughs> which you'll see at the end. Who uses those? <laughs> um, so we know you need a website and we, yeah. you need social media, but social media is not your portfolio. Yeah. I think a website yeah. is a must, a one-stop place for any client to see your work. And I, I did, there are some people who use our social media as a portfolio, but I don't think it's... One reason it's not as effective is that it's more difficult to share your your social media than it is for a website where anyone can access a website. But if people are doing an online search for you, um, your Instagram is not going to come up. A website will come up. Right. And when you share that, if the, the person that's receiving it doesn't have Instagram, they have to yeah. sign up for Instagram to go look at your... No one's going to take that long mm -hmm. to actually look at work when there's so many out there that it's just ready to to be seen mm -hmm. it's another barrier to you right. that you don't need you don't want to create any barriers for people to access your work that's a great uh, a great thing to say because that's what's going to come into play later on when we talk about the webs uh, websites here it's like do not put any more obstacles just yeah. show it right away show the work and have yeah. it ready so physical portfolios, you would only really need them when you go to conferences and you're going to be meeting for a critique or, or you're actually meeting the, the, the person. Um, any other time, you're really not going to need a, a physical portfolio. 
I ha- and I have a question, quick question, mm-hmm. and I because I think I have seen people do this, but I'm not sure. Do some people bring iPads to conferences for critiques and show their work on an iPad? If that's what they is have, is that a thing? I, yeah, it's when they don't have a physical portfolio because it costs money to print and to have one, and if you don't really yeah. use one, so you know, as often, then yeah, an iPad with a with a with a website, it, it could be an option. Yeah, it could be an option. But it is smaller. You're not going to be able to show your work as big. And there is something, and that's just personal preference, where you're touching the page and flipping it. As it mm-hmm. as it is, so much is digital nowadays that there is just some nostalgic quality to turning the page and looking at the piece. Where in digital, it's a yeah. little more, it's a little faster of a flip. Yeah. So I think in paper, you take a little longer to look at at the artwork. But that could just yeah. be me. Well, yeah, and, and our, our goal is to work in publishing and in print. So yes. I think that also shows what your work will look like in print. Whereas if you if it's only digital, it's not a true representation of what your um, your finished work would look like in a book. Yeah, there's a disconnect, at least for me. I'm not great at reading mm. books on Kindle, and I prefer a piece of paper still to really get into it. So for me, I would say if you're face-to-face with someone, it's a good idea to have a physical portfolio. So before we we start, I wanted to talk a little bit about when you have a portfolio critique in a a conference, you have 15 minutes with an art director or an editor, whoever you chose to to give your critique. This is something we do, and I want to say maybe, and I am generalizing, so don't email me back with like, oh, you shouldn't say just women, but it's mainly women (laughs) that do this, that they confuse being humble with being meek and apologize for their work or undersell their work. Don't do that. You have 15 minutes and you're trying to make the best impression possible. Don't undersell the work and apologize and say, oh, I'm, I hope I got this right. I was trying to, to, I was trying to show this. Um, I don't know if I got it right. No, just let the work speak for itself and don't add to it unless they ask you for more information. Right. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Just let them ask you. Don't offer up any extra information that might change their views of the work. Yeah, because yeah. if you're unsure of the work, you're already portraying that. You're making that person go, okay, this this artist this doesn't feel confident about her, her his or her work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when, in those 15 minutes, fake it if you have to. Because, uh, you know, fake it until you make it. <laughs> and fake confidence mm-hmm. and listen, but, you know, don't... Yeah, don't apologize for your work. Let it, let it stand. Yeah. So you want your portfolio to be specific to the job that you want. So if you're trying to get work in a children's book industry, then you want your portfolio to show pieces that would work in children's books. Uh, you Your portfolio shouldn't contain like fine art projects or sculptures or logo or t-shirt designs. Um, even though, no matter how proud you are of this work, no matter how good you did on it, and even if it's for uh, an incredible company, uh, you want to show only pieces that would work well in a children's book. Yes. I mean, we are talking about children's book illustration portfolios here. Yeah. So that's, that's what you want to show. Uh, each market has its own portfolio. Yeah. So you would not be adding um, game design or, hey, look at my cool... Or character um, design. Well, you can show well, character design because yeah, you do... That's, that is part of uh, children's book, but 
it should not just be a portfolio of cool characters and because that's, that would be more towards animation if you want to show but you do want yeah. you, you do want characters you, you want to see that you can draw a character True. in different positions but one page of that is plenty what you need most is narrative uh, art you know storytelling you mean like one piece of that no no it's you want to have several pieces with the same character that that mm-hmm. in different scenes and different emotions but you can also convey that in one page of uh, turner, character turnarounds. But mm-hmm. don't fill your, your portfolio with just characters. That's not what this job is. Yeah, because when an art director or client looks at your portfolio, they're going to hire you what's based on what's in your portfolio and what they see. And if they're looking specifically for children's book illustration and they see a bunch of other things, it, that that will distract from your children's book illustrations and but it'll also make it hard for them to distinguish where your where your strengths are and what your style is right and not just things but styles it should be consistent it should be that someone picks up that portfolio and they know who did it it's, there shouldn't be a page where you go, oh, I wonder who did this yeah. one. It should all come with your same voice. And this is um, this has always been a challenge for me because I do a lot of client work. So in the beginning, my portfolio had mostly client work. And so it had a lot of things uh, that I was not interested in drawing or interested in going in that direction with my portfolio. But it's the only work I had. So I included it because... I wanted to show my skill level, but the first critique I had was don't include things you don't want to, if you don't want to get hired to draw these things. Uh, For instance, if if your interests are in uh, fantasy and unicorns, then those should be in your portfolio and and children. Or if your strengths are animals, those should be in your portfolio. But I had a lot of pieces that were a farmer in his garden. (laughs) And so those weren't a direction I wanted to go in. And also in the beginning, I had a lot of spot illustrations and logo work. That was not the direction I wanted to go in. So I had to take those out. Yeah. That falls into like, don't follow the trends that you see. Um, We always do say, look at what the market is doing and understand the type of illustration that's coming across, the type of storytelling. But that doesn't mean copy that style because if the style doesn't come natural to you, you're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to be happy doing it and you're not going to be able to do it consistently when you're illustrating an entire book and it shows in your portfolio. So you were doing them in your style as you would do it, but you were doing subject matters that you didn't want to, to do. Yeah. That's what the client is going to, to go by. Yeah. Whatever you have in your portfolio your website, they're going to be like, oh, this person yeah. does this. That's what I want. Yeah. You'll draw yourself into a corner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're, you're pigeonholed there and you can't. Yeah. And it's very easy to do one piece, two pieces, but a whole book it'll get to you it's it's not going to flow and, and it's going to show your work won't be as good yeah. so what do we include inside that's important too yeah so children's books don't just mean um, picture books only you can also have art styles that fit within um, middle grade and they're both very different art styles um, and even within picture books too you have like board books so your art will will fit better in one place than in another yeah, board books are a lot simpler and picture books are a little more uh, interactive, dynamic, narrative. So they are things that you want to include and draw younger children. Yeah, animals. What is that word? And anthropomorphic animals? <laughs> is that a- Anth- Yeah, anthropomorphic. That's hard to say. It is a hard <laughs> word to say. 
which you know means like animals with human characteristics and some and clothing and doing yes doing things that humans would do it's kind of like you re, you replace the yeah. human with an animal and and you want them doing everyday activities that children would do yes so you, you don't um, want to have like a child or an animal uh well, I was going to say being a banker. But I mean, I, I guess you could. I was trying to think of things that you wouldn't have children, like scenes you wouldn't have children in. In a horror scene or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it needs to be age appropriate. You know what? Actually, this is perfect. There is this video game... Um, Fright Nights at Freddy's. Five Nights at Freddy's. Five Nights at Freddy's, is it? Well, I <laughs> leave that in the recording because I will definitely get it wrong. I always do. My kids know that I always get the, the names wrong. Yeah, it's scary. Oh, yeah, I played it and I screamed through the whole thing. But the reason why I bring that up is because I have seen artwork. The bunny with the ears popping popping out. And I was like, yes, it is a, a plush toy. That is not going to be in your, in your children's book illustration portfolio. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they are kind of, they are cute, they could be considered cute characters, but it is a horror game, so it's not really appropriate for younger children. Yeah, you can have a Halloween scene, but it has to still be suitable for children. You're not going to have it so so scary right. that it wouldn't fit there. You know, you don't want to have bloody children. And, yeah. You know, there's a line. You don't do horror for picture book. Yeah, it has to be a cute Halloween scene. Yeah. And cute has a, a range because not everybody does whimsical, super, super sappy, sweet, cute. It can be quirky. Yeah. Yeah. And and actually, you want characters to have a difference. You know, you don't want all bubbly, yeah. round characters all the time. I mean, going with your style, but you do want to give the character some personality. Yeah. Yeah. But continuing what would be in picture books, your color choices and the style that you choose. Yeah. You don't want really dark, muted colors. I, well, I mean, there are, there are some books that are muted. And there are exceptions to all of, the, all of these things. But typically, when you look at children's books, if you look what's on the shelf, they are typically bright colors, um, bold. The, one of the trends is to have a lot of white space right now. Usually backgrounds are very white. You want to make it attractive to children, what they would normally look at. Uh, the reason why we say these these are not the rules and it must be like this because uh, if anybody has picked up a book recently uh, John Klassen he does yeah. grays muted black and white that so you would think like how is this a picture book but it is a picture book and he's quite famous so it's very successful there are no rules we are just telling you what would give you the broadest chance of getting a job in this industry um, mm -hmm. until you're famous and you can do whatever you want <laughs> <laughs> basically yeah so Another area would be middle grade. For middle grade, you want to have black and whites because that's usually what they use inside uh, of the, the chapter books. Mm -hmm. And the cover is color. Yes. Yeah. And a lot more spot mm -hmm. illustrations, which means just a little drawing with no background. Yeah. Not just floating characters. You want them on the ground. But yeah, I think we're doing another episode where we're going to talk about what is a full bleed, what is a spot illustration and all that. Yeah. Uh, you can go a little, a little bit more scary in these, a little more mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you do want to draw teens and preteens. Mm. That's the that's the age range for middle grade. This preteen and early teen. You're you're gonna have more. Uh, the interactions between the children in middle grade are way different than in a picture book. They're gonna have more drama and. One thing about middle grade that it doesn't have to be so literal as in picture books. It could be a little more symbolic. Yeah. 
they can read more into the illustration than children can. So let's talk about what we should avoid. And we are talking about websites throughout this whole thing. When we say portfolios, we're talking physical portfolios and websites, but websites are the biggest part of this. So you want to make it quick, simple, don't complicate it. When someone lands on your website, boom, they're there. Yeah. Yeah. It should be a first page they see. It should open there. And I have gone through many iterations. Um, I used to have a landing page because I had a design website. I had an illustration website. And then when you landed on that page, you'd have to click on design or illustration. Okay. So that's one step. And then you go to the next, then you go to that website. And then I, my first page of my illustration website, I had children's book, character art, and pattern. So they, then they would have to choose from there. So I so that's two steps and then they could go to see wow. the children's book illustration and the third step that's too many layers that you have to get through it should be the first yes. page you're asking too much of the client mm-hmm. yeah you're asking hang on with me for 15 minutes while you navigate this very yeah. complicated website so you get to see what kind mm-hmm. of artwork and then decide if you want to hire me yeah and to me i thought that the fact that I was able to create a website with multiple layers and tabs and buttons and you could, that that made it, oh, look at my website building skills. And that's the thing, your your portfolio website should not emphasize your website building skills. That's not what, that's not what's important. They don't know that you built it uh, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> it does not matter. That does not make you a better illustrator. It, it has nothing to do with that. So you want it simple and easy. I think it's a benefit when you finally decide which hat you're going to wear. Yes. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yes. I'm an illustrator yes. and this is the hat I'm wearing. Not, yeah. I'm an illustrator and I build websites and I do this and I do that. Yeah, there's too many hats. Then no one knows what you do. Yeah. You may be fantastic Mm -hmm. at doing other things, but the person that's going to look at your illustrations wants to see how good of an illustrator you are. If you cook an amazing lasagna, don't put it there. (laughs) Nobody cares. Yeah, so don't don't show off your website building skills. I used to to think, oh yes, it has to have an animation coming in. When you do that, it actually slows yeah. down the website. My first website was a Flash website. I know nothing about building websites and I use Wix. Yeah, and I use Squarespace, but yeah. We do not have any sponsor site. So if we mention anything, we're not getting any kick from any of this. This is what we use. Mm-hmm. I use Wix because I can update it because I can go ahead and put new work in there and I can move things around and yeah. it's literally clicking and moving boxes. Yeah, you want it to be, because if it's not easy for you, then you're not going to do it. That's the point. Yeah, you have to keep it updated Mm -hmm. and you have to be constantly taking out the old work and putting in the new work. And it's fine to ask someone else to do it for you. One, that's going to cost you money. So that's another thing that you're going to have to consider. But then also they have to be reliable. And so then you're, you have to, then you have to find someone that you like working with. That's just another step that's going to probably stop you from updating your website. However, if you're able to find someone that's great and you guys work together really well, then, then, then that's wonderful. But you want to make it as easy as possible for you to keep it current and updated. Let's talk about the thing that we all have done and it's hard (laughs) to part with and letting go of all the artwork. If you're practicing the things we've talked about, about um, drawing consistently and creating new work and entering competitions or, or working with other people or clients, you should have new work to put into your website. But sometimes it's hard to let go. Not everything you do 
should be in your website. Not everything you do is portfolio yeah. worthy. Um, a lot of it is practical. Put it on Instagram. Correct. Any Anything you do, go ahead and put it on Instagram. That's fine. And that's why we often say don't use Instagram as your portfolio because that's your practice. That's your that's your social card. Yeah. It's like, this is what I'm working on. Here's mm -hmm. a sketch. Here's something I tried. It's a place to show your process and how you work. Yeah. I have seen other artists ask for help there. Hey, something's not working. What do you think? Then you give them feedback and they go mm -hmm. back and, and redo it. And they, hey, how about now? So that's your that's your community uh, sketchbook. Yeah. Place yeah, a place to connect with others. Yeah. Oh, I like that community sketchbook. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to hang on to old mm -hmm. work because um, it your style will change. You don't want to keep everything there and it makes it cluttered. And then yeah. when the, the client looks at it, they don't know what to get. They were like, am I going to get the style that she was doing 10 years ago? Am I going to get the style that she's, you know, she started two months ago? Yeah. And when I was starting out, I, this is, I don't, I don't know why I thought this, but I thought if I included old work and new work, it would show how far I had progressed. <laughs> doesn't, oh it doesn't make <laughs> any sense now, but I just wanted to show, you know, I guess how far I had come, but that's, that makes no sense. That's, that's bananas. Yeah. I can't believe I'm not that. Sure. Yeah, but you know what? We're thinking this is what they're going to see, but you're not sitting next to them going, oh, yes, and that work was how I started, and look how far I've come. Right. And there's no dates on it. <laughs> it was just the images. And I will say, don't put a date, because if you have a really good piece and your style has not changed, and this is a piece you're really proud of, Leave it there. But nobody needs to know that it's from five years ago. Yeah. So it's best if you don't put a date on it. And then I always draw something new and and try to improve on that. That's that's the thing. It should be a, a challenge to you to try to do better. Yeah. When you're, when you're starting out, sometimes you draw something and you don't want to do it again because you're like, oh, I cannot do better than this or I'm going to mess it up. Yeah. Try. Do it again. And you might be surprised the next time you do, not like the exact same drawing, but the next time yeah. you do something else, it might be yeah. better than the other one. Pull out the other one out. In design portfolios, very often you'll see captions with the work and it'll 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 give a brief a design brief, but it's usually short and it usually tells you, you know, what who they did it for, you know, what the purpose of it is. You don't need that in an illustration portfolio. And, and I did make that mistake in the beginning because I was used to doing that for design work. But you don't need to tell it. The illustration needs to speak for itself. It does. It shouldn't need an explanation. So we've all done these things. I did it also in um, in college. I don't, it, my senior thesis. I, <laughs> this is funny. So all four years I was illustrating, illustrating. My senior year came and I decided to do a, a, my entire thesis on sculptures. <laughs> I don't know, concept sculptures. I got into it and that's what I started mm -hmm. doing. So that was my, th my senior thesis. So my first website had tabs for portrait paintings, sculptures, graphic design, illustration. Um, and my illustration was a mixture of children's and editorial. It was just anything, anything. And the kitchen sink, anything else that I had done, it was yeah. there in a website. What's funny is that I wasn't proficient in any of those areas. I just did a little bit of everything. And when you do that, you kind of hang on to your art and you're like, oh, this is, a, mm -hmm. you know, this is the best example of what I did here. And this is the best example of what I did over there. So I got contacted to do a sculpture. 
and I couldn't do the job. I never followed through. I didn't cast my sculptures for my thesis. So I didn't know how to finish the job. I didn't know how to, how to deliver the final product. Here I, I am putting work in my website saying, yeah. look, I do sculptures and then you get hired for it. And oh, I cannot actually do sculptures. I can just show you the cool sculptures, but I can't follow through to the end. Only put the work that yeah. you are proficient in doing and you know how to do it and you can yes. follow it through. Uh, that's true. And having tabs on your website for um, different industries is different than putting having different tabs for different styles. So, but if it's children's book related, then it's okay to have different. You're tabs. right on that. But make sure that you actually are good enough in each style. If you're not, then don't put it there. If you're transitioning into another style, fine. Work behind the scenes until that style is good enough. Then put it in there. Because mm. you want to show your best work. You're going to be judged by the least successful piece in that portfolio. Yeah. We mean like if you have picture book art and then you have middle grade art, then you can have middle grade on one tab and then picture books on another, which you have on your website, right? I have services and then about page. And soon I'm going to have a tab where it's for press releases. So that's something you would have when you have a book that is already out there, you want to have a press release. But I would suggest let your landing page be what you want to get hired for right Mm -hmm. away. Okay, so for a physical portfolio, you want to keep it to maybe 15 to 17 pieces. Yeah, they'll tell you. You have 15 minutes. Yeah. So that would be one whole minute for each page, which is quite a long time. And you want to get the feedback. So you don't want the the art director or whoever it is that you that you got your your critique with to just be flipping and flipping pages you know and then they don't have time to process it and give you good feedback right it doesn't take a lot of illustrations to see what you do and and see if your work is consistent if it's successful yeah um now in the website not so this is physical on the website you you can have more pieces you can have more because it's just a matter of scrolling but don't leave your best pieces all the way at the end if you have 30 pieces because if you have 30 illustrations no one's going to be scrolling for 10 minutes to get to your good pieces right yeah and i'm i'm kind of i'm of the less is more for websites too because when you're sitting there and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling it it you you become overwhelmed and art your art gets lost in the plethora of images that are there and you can't things that you may have wanted them to focus on they're they're gonna miss it because it's just a sea of images going down the page and I don't think it's effective next we'll talk about what should you include in your children's book portfolio what type of art what subjects and we already kind of touched on this a little bit but um, I think we'll go into a little more detail yeah to help you out starting a portfolio if you have if you don't even know where to start It's a good idea to give yourself a story in your head way because then you're going to include everything about that story in that illustration. When we say just draw kids, that's that's very broad. Draw kids like you see them. Draw them in the park. Doing kid things. Yes. Think of a game. Think of a specific game that you have seen kids play at the park. Hopscotch. Climbing trees. Frisbee. Playing with a dog. Think of a family having a picnic in the park. And when you draw this, draw the entire scene, the entire essence. We are going to talk more about what visual storytelling is, but at least this will get you started until we get to that episode. Mm -hmm. You want to draw the entire essence of that scene so that it's clear that it is, say, a family having a picnic in the park. Mm -hmm. And you want to think about 
places you'll see children because those are the topics that many children's books are about. So like school, school is super common for children's books. You'll see families in the park, like you said, or at the beach. These are places you see children a lot. Some people might not have children. So go to places mm -hmm. where, where children, you know, it sounds very creepy, but go to places where children hang out. <laughs> <laughs> but also there's the internet. Museums. The kids that you're drawing for in the picture books, yeah. they go to pre-K and kindergarten. So the age group that you're drawing for. So look up online kindergarten classroom. If you've never been to a kindergarten classroom, what is it that they have in the classrooms? Yes. Well, and I'm sure I'm sure you've probably and it's very possible you the last time you were in a kindergarten classroom is when you were in kindergarten and that's totally fine. But kindergarten classrooms have changed. So yeah, it's it's good to look up what current classrooms look like. You can even watch YouTube videos of teachers and classrooms and it's no longer a blackboard with a globe, although you can include that because it's always like whimsical and yeah, cute. It's pretty traditional. Yeah, but it's a good idea to also include what the kids nowadays use. Yeah. Like it's like the clothing you you want it to be timeless but also current. current. So unless you're doing a period piece, you're not going to be drawing the kids playing with um, what a hoop and a stick like they used to do. <laughs> you know? So yeah. you want yeah. them to be a little bit more current for, yeah. for today's market. Yeah. You also want to include all possible races that you can do and cultures and abilities. Definitely diversity. Yes. Uh, do it well. If you don't know how to do it well, then don't do it. Yeah. Study it. Look at pictures of children and, and people and see what makes them mm -hmm. unique. All children don't look the right. same. Just like all adults don't look the same. Right. You want to have some action pieces too. So not just sitting down, a child sitting down at a chair, looking, staring at the camera or eating a piece of cake because that's very static. You also want action pieces. You want some children running. You want some children. And we keep saying mm -hmm. children, but it could also be animals in action in the middle of a conversation True. as if yeah. you took a little snapshot of a moment. You know, like like if you're watching a, a scene mm -hmm. in a movie and you paused it and something is happening. Yeah. If you walk into a children's classroom, you're not going to see every child at, sitting at the desk looking at the teacher. Right. That's probably a teacher's dream, but it's not going to be real. That never happens. <laughs> yeah. You may see a couple looking at the teacher, but you're probably going to see some down at their desk writing, some making an airplane. One doing, you know, they're, they're all going to be doing different activities in the classroom. I'm not saying you need to show a full classroom of 26 children, but even if it's just a small snapshot, there are going to be different children doing different things in the scene. Yeah, and that's something else, too. You don't want to overwhelm the, the audience. Yeah. Like you're saying, you're not going to draw 26 children, but you can draw it in a way that it looks like a full classroom and not just three kids sitting yeah. at a desk and then call it a classroom. So you want to show the corners of other desks that are showing through. So animals. Um, now you say the word because I said oh. it last time. Anthropomorphized. <laughs> Anthropo I can't say it either. <laughs> Anthropomorphized. Anthropomorphic is easier. Yeah, they're animals okay. that have people characteristics, which I enjoy drawing animals more than people. I don't know why, but it's just easier for me. And, and I like drawing people more than animals, but we do them both. Yeah, it's weird, yeah. right? See, we're always the opposite. But you definitely want animals, especially if you're looking for yeah. fiction work. We talked about interactions, yeah. but also settings. So you want indoors 
and outdoor. So let's give you another example. So to help you actually get concrete examples for your portfolio. Mm -hmm. uh, let's say we have a beach scene where you have the whole family. And then when you think about it, include everything that you would be necessary when you go to the beach. You have an umbrella, you have the blankets, you have the... Uh, the cooler with the food mm -hmm. and the beach ball and everything. Think about all those little details that will make your illustration more interesting. Yeah, full. Your illustration is full of detail that actually yeah. reads clearly. And there's things in the sand. It's not just sand. Yeah. There'll be shells. There'll be textures. There'll be maybe a sand castle. There's probably a bucket with things you play with at the beach. And interaction mm -hmm. interaction between the characters now you also want to have interiors you want to have um and when we say interiors we don't just mean inside a building in rooms think in the kitchen in the closet in bedroom. the in the bathroom yeah. so there's so many different scenes that you can think in about in a chair reading a book like where you know what would what would children be doing like yeah. So the hardest part is coming up with the ideas for an illustration, mm -hmm. right? So I literally did this. You go around the house and you you look at a, a place in your house and imagine a scene happening there. So if you go to the kitchen, oh, that's a good okay, idea. that's how I do it. Like I, I actually think of a story behind it. Um, and I imagine, you know, my child or a child that I had a little niece now, so I'll imagine my niece and she is going to be baking and be specific. She's baking a cake. Why? Because it's her dog's birthday. So it's a dog mm -hmm. cake and the dog is, is wagging its tail because it's super happy because it can't wait uh, for the cake to be done. And the kitchen's going to be a mess or she cannot reach the sugar or think of the entire scenery and then draw that. And that helps so much because staring at a blank piece yeah. of paper is grueling. You, you, you will sit there and doodle, doodle away and go nowhere. It's like spinning yeah. your wheels. So having an entire story in your head, it makes it so much easier for when you yeah, sit down. I agree. Could we cover quickly things that are difficult to draw that should be included? Yeah. Like, sure. I'm not good with cities. Cities are hard and buildings are hard for me. So a lot of times I don't include those things, but they're important to have because you see them in children's books. But if you don't like them, really, if you hate doing it, then don't put True. it there. True, yeah. Because, okay, so let's say you just say you don't like drawing cities. If you start including cities in your portfolio and you get a book that is in the city. Because then you'll get asked to, to draw it. You're going to be the most miserable illustrator out there for 42 mm -hmm. pages of cities, <laughs> of city scenes. That's all cities. <laughs> include yeah. what, you, what is needed, mm -hmm. but within what you want to do. I mean, this is your job. You, mm -hmm. The same thing when you pick up a book. Make sure you like the story. Yeah, that's true. How awful to have to draw something that you absolutely hate mm -hmm. for anybody, even if it's traditional publishing. If it's a chances are if the, if the art director already came and picked you um, and is uh, giving you this job, chances are it's already something you do because it's already in your portfolio. And he's seen several samples of your work and knows you can do it and you most likely will like to. But in self-publishing oh for self-publishing yeah for clients yeah yeah no you have to illustrator you have to connect with the work and be feel comfortable i have to feel comfortable drawing the subject matter so you can do the best work possible and you, there's joy when you're mm -hmm. doing it but do include interiors and out uh, uh, outdoors 
that you feel comfortable doing. Um, you also want to have different types of illustrations, spot mm. illustrations, full bleeds, uh, and you want to catch your characters yeah, from different Not angles. just straight on, head on. So you want to talk a little bit about spot il- illustrations. I think we've mentioned it before, but we have not talked about what a full page is, full bleed or a spread. Yeah, so a full page illustration is an illustration that goes all the way to the corners of the page. And I don't know if we talked about bleed before. We have not, but I think we are doing an episode that we're, where you're going to talk about all the specifics of the illustrations, but we can touch here. Yeah, we can, yeah, we could briefly cover bleed because it's a term that's frequently used. Basically, it just means it goes to the edge of the page, but in publishing, bleed is the small edge of the page that when it's published, the printer will cut off. And that's just to make sure that when when things are being printed, they may be offset just like a tiny bit. And so they want to make sure that it has a, the art goes yeah. completely to the edge of the page. So they cut just a tiny section off. It's usually like, like 0.125 inches. It's very small. Yeah. So, you know, there's an episode coming up where we will talk about all the specifics mm-hmm. on the measurements, how to put a, an entire book together. And we will go into detail as to the measurements and how, how to place your art so it doesn't fall in the gutter and all of that stuff. Yeah. So you're just making sure. Right. Yeah. It just fills the, it fills the page. And, but then you also have two page spread where it fills both pages. So it is one illustration going across two pages. So it's not two separate illustrations. So you have to make sure that the characters are pulling from one side to the other and that they're not falling, like in the middle you have your gutter. Yeah. And when you show that in your portfolio, it's going to be like a rectangular shape. And so you have to consider when you put that into a physical portfolio, how you're going to display that. That's kind of some, it's something you really need to show that you can do, but you have to kind of consider how that would translate into a physical portfolio. Right. So you want to make sure that it, the main action is not happening yeah. right in the middle. You want to make sure that it goes off yeah. away from the gutter. And nothing's getting cut off in the gutter. And then different angles, because everything, the most common way of drawing something is when you look at it straightforward. But it makes it for a very boring portfolio if yeah. everything looks the same way. So you want some angles from, you know, from the bottom, from the top, a three-quarter view. You don't want always just to be straight on for, and the mm-hmm. characters just looking at you. Yeah, and I, I struggle with that. <laughs> well, we're all working. We're still, and this is where yeah. we have said from the beginning, we're not experts at this. This is our journey, and, and this is where we have gotten thus far. Yeah, and oh. and we're telling you, hey, this is what we did, and we messed up here. And well, and I'm working. <laughs> I've been working on it for yeah a couple of years, and it's getting yeah. better. I'm getting better. Yeah. Come and see us again in ten years, and we'll see how we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so another yeah. thing is sequential art, which is several images of this in the same scene. You're just showing the next step of the scene. Mm-hmm. Right. Sequential would be like. The beginning of an action, the middle of an action, and the end result of that action. And think about it in a fun way. Kind of like, like I said, we were we were saying about thinking of a story when you start an illustration. Okay, so imagine my niece is reaching for the sugar and she cannot reach it and the dog is going to help her. That's the first scene, the, the pre-action. The moment where she reaches the sugar and it falls all over her. And then the final would be when they're both sitting down and the dog is licking sugar off the floor or off her face or something. So there is... Um, a progression to it and the reason why those are important is because you show that you can be consistent with the mm-hmm, character yeah. and narrative art but narrative art can be one scene it doesn't have to be several scenes so 
and you can show them in different poses, interacting with their environment and everything around them. Yeah. So I think that's quite a few samples. Um, and then I think we're going to be showing our physical yeah. portfolios here on camera. So I think it would be helpful for you guys to go to the to the website or YouTube and find the video so you can see what we're talking about. Yes. Yeah. It'll, it'll definitely be more fun to see it. We hope this gives you a better idea of what should and shouldn't be in your portfolio. And in the end, what really matters is the artwork, not your credentials, not where you've been or where you are now. And we really appreciate all of your emails and comments. If you have any portfolio related comments or questions, we would love to hear from you. Don't forget to watch this episode on YouTube. And if you've done something different that worked for you, let us know. Yeah. Uh, and we want to thank you for supporting us. And uh, please subscribe, like, and comment. Thanks. Thank Bye. you. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. You can find Sunny's work at sunnyduran.com and you can follow her on Instagram at sunnyduranillustration. You can find Olga's work at olgachildrensillustrator.com and you can follow her on Instagram at olgachildrensillustrator. Elochat is also on Instagram. If you have any questions or suggestions for future podcasts, you can write to us at elochitchat at gmail.com. And if you like this podcast, leave us a review, share it, and subscribe. Thanks for listening.